0: Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program.
1: Past this solar system, light years past telescope reach, further than stars bloom and die, planet is black, like midnight black.
0: This program features the work of 2020 writer Maisha Banks Manson. In the first half, you'll hear their conversation with curator Anastasia Rene, recorded in the Jack Straw Studio.
2: What connects you most to your genre of writing, Maisha?
1: What connects me most to my genre of writing is. I've always been looking for spaces in poetry that can give home and warm feelings. My initial entry point into poetry has been, like, trauma and pain as a commodification, right? Commodification of POCs and queer people, um, especially black queer people. So, like, the poetry that I write is a little bit about future building.
2: Would you say the genre picked you or did you pick the genre?
1: Oh, yeah. It definitely found me. (laughs) So wayward, wayward use.
2: <laughs> Tell us about your, your Jack Straw project.
1: So my Jackstraw project, when I started writing an application, I was like, I am going to do just, like, myth building. And I still am doing myth building, <laughs> but I'm doing myth building in the future. So what are the myths that we would give our youth, our family, um, our children as a way of creating... And sustaining futures that we can, like fully be embodied and seen and heard and felt and safe. So that's what I've been doing, wow.
2: I'm still sitting <laughs> I'm still sitting with the idea, right? There's the idea of what a myth is, and then you just i'm I'm processing, okay, future myths, yes. I don't know why. That is just so. <laughs> For that reason, I would love it if you shared some of your work of with course. us. Give us a piece
1: of that. Yeah. The little black kid who was given Red Riding Hood as a fairy tale. No. Say it again. No. No, 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 no. No. Until it stops looking like no. And it's just a sound that washes over you, and you believe and know it to be true. No. To the black boys who were given Little Red Riding Hood as an aspirational tale. Survive. Claw out her eyes if you have to. Lick your paws clean until you can't tell whose blood you are cleaning off. Pain tastes the same whether it's on your hands or not. Crawl. Beg for sustenance, and when they deny you, take it fill your stomach with scraps, eat them whole. Mask yourself and forget what you're even supposed to look like. To the black trans kid who's given Red Riding Hood, they will kill you every time for your clothes, for your eyes, your teeth, your hands.
2: Wow, I'm really, I'm wondering for that piece,
1: did you write that one for for yourself first? I wrote it for myself first, and then I said, "That's cool. But I'm not the only one who has heard this story. How would I read this to my family?" Right? Part of Lord Riding Hood is how much can you actually give away of yourself and disassociate from all the things happening around you? Right? And then at the end, you're like, I don't even recognize who's here, and that I'm in danger, right? It is so much trauma, <laughs> the story, right? And then that you will be saved, right, by some unknowing man, <laughs> some form of a white man will save you, right? And I, I was like, what if you just recognized it being harmful in the beginning? That's the that's the message that I wanted to give myself, is that. There is magic and power in creating boundaries. But that made me think so much about the narrative of the wolf in this story and how the wolf is supposed to be perceived and what happens when you vilify support, right? So I was like, someone is initially asking for help and is being not awesome about it but is asking for help. What would have been the the worst if you gave, Right. So, who is really missing out on that support? How would I read Little Red Riding Hood to my family?
2: Well, what pushes you to write and to keep writing despite all that's happening
1: around you? What pushes me to write like most is that I just keep having thoughts in my head. (laughs) And there are just so many all the time. Um, I realized the other day that I make noises out loud because I'm thinking so much. (laughs) That people are like, are you talking to me? And I was like, oh, no. I just, so many thoughts are happening that they somehow escape my body and people can hear them. So if I'm not writing poetry, then I'm just attracting all sorts of communications and people from everywhere. Poetry is a way of, like, calming that.
2: In that, what's been your biggest epiphany in your poetry that you've experienced based on your work,
1: big or small? That my poems can be speculative. I think that was the hardest part and like the most healing part of like the epiphanies I've had was my writing. Is that yes, I do like write narrative work, but I could also expand outside of that and like expand that for myself.
2: How do you find your balance? Because you are, in this speculative poetry, you are sort of writing from the past and the future. How do you keep your balance as a writer? Because you're living in both mm-hmm. worlds, plus the current world, yes. <laughs> the like real, real world mm-hmm. you're in. What's the balance look like for you?
1: Part of it is taking how I feel right now about a story in the past and then giving it to a future self. And then having that, that be the through line of how can I project care or worry or change to a version of me or a version of family and kin and society that isn't there yet. So I guess then going backwards in time to the present, to then future, if we were to map it out. <laughs>
2: As if you didn't have enough things to do. <laughs> Though it's uh, uncomfortable for most writers to take time out to celebrate their own writing, I would love it if you shared with us your favorite aspect about your work.
1: <laughs> That's the uncomfortable, yes?
2: <laughs> um,
1: my favorite aspect of my work, I like the structure. I like the repetition. <laughs> It's my favorite thing. <laughs> Even in writing, um, some of my hardest work, when I'm like, this is so hard, and I don't know if I like it anymore. And I'm like, how can I make sure that I that I personally like it? And I'm like, I will find one thing to repeat or to bring back in, right? Like a coda in music, right? Or like any baroque style things where it's like, uh, you heard a thing, and you're like, I don't know if I like it, but you brought it back, and you're like, I remember that. I guess I like it. <laughs> That's one way that I keep myself engaged and. Still loving my work.
2: How do you then cope with writer's block?
1: Ooh, so for writer's block, I have to write with other people who are writing. Something about that creative energy makes me like, oh, we are all writing. Like the sound of s- other people snoring makes me go to sleep. I'm like, ah, we are sleeping. <laughs> so something about that really helps my writer's block. So when I'm stuck, I'm like, all right, who, who's down to write together?
2: Would you say that's one of the things that inspires you to write, or is that just something that helps you write?
1: Both. Other People's Runes lets me believe in my own. So I'm like, wow, look at you out here being great and doing great. I think I could be great and do great. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: love it. I've struggled with asking this question Mm -hmm. because it it seems to be the one that gives most writers anxiety, but I I really want to know... What's on your current must-read book list? You could tell me what's on your nightstand, mm-hmm. what's in your backpack.
1: I'm actually so excited to tell what? you this one. <laughs> Yay.
2: I'm so happy about that. Tell, us, tell
1: um, us. So what's in my backpack right now is America's Not the Home, which um, is everything. Going through that right now. But what's on my next book list is The Deep.
2: You heard of this book? No, no. Tell us.
1: The Deep is a book about black mermaids, and the mermaids evolved as they were pregnant women thrown off the ships during the uh, Atlantic slave trade. So as they evolved, keeper of the knowledge of their creation, right, and origin through, through slavery is kept in one single mermaid. And the next keeper is... Going to hold the knowledge and learn.
2: Do you think that writers should have a writing practice or rituals? And if so, what are yours? What are your writing practices Hmm. or writing rituals?
1: I can't say that I think anyone should do any of the things, right? I'm totally on team. Write whenever feels good, Um, don't write it when it doesn't. But I do have writing rituals and practices for myself. So I'll pull an oracle card or tarot card if I know I need to connect back to the parts of me that like that are all the creative parts of me and sort of sit with my intuition and what words come from that. And that's sometimes when I'm like, poems, eh, I'll throw that to the side. And I'm able to recognize that, then I'll pull a card. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, there are parts of me that are creative, and these are the ways that I can connect that. Either the card is helping me out Or my intuition in reading that card is helping me out. And that's some of the ways that I continue to keep ritual around my own writing.
2: Are you the kind of writer that needs to be in a certain place energetically or environmentally? Are you a cafe writer? Are you a bookstore writer? Are you a...
1: I used to be a write-in-the-car writer, which is really bad because I used to drive. Um, Yes, that face, and... (laughs) (laughs) I, was, I lived in L.A. in the Bay Area during the time, so I'd just be in three hours of traffic mm-hmm. every day. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm like, oh, I'm alone with my thoughts, da-da-da-da-da, writing all the things. Um, and now I'm a bus rider. A bus rider. Yes, rider and writer. writer bus rider, right. writer, writer. I love that. <laughs> I love
2: that. What would you tell your younger writing self if you could tell them anything? What would you say to them?
1: I come from a family of artists. So there was a lot of there was always a lot of people doing art around me. Cousins who went to like art school for painting and my grandparents were photographers. My father was a playwright and director. Um so like art was like a thing that we just did, right? But not something to be fully celebrated because we all just did art. We were all like, yes, this is art, you have art, I have art. It is all great. Um I would say to my younger self to celebrate your art and equally celebrate the art that's around you. That was one of the things that took me a while to figure out that, like, yes, in a a family of artists, it's also still really important to celebrate how dope it is that we're all consuming and making art from one another.
2: What would be a final word that you have for someone maybe not being so sure of their work, you know, doubting their work? Doubting the whole idea of being a writer right now, doubting being in in cohort or fellowshipping with other writers, just totally thinking this is I'm just a hobbyist. Though they have all these mm-hmm. these these pages and pages of work, they were listening. What would be one word of advice you'd like to say to them?
1: It's hard because I also think I'm a hobbyist. <laughs> still, no, still with this face. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I
2: politely disagree. Thank
1: you. Um, I would say find friends who disagree. Your friends who hype you up, who are going to show up for you in all the ways. Be like, I have these poems here, right? And then later maybe find your friends who are like, yeah, here's what I need you to do to grow. But first find the friends who hype you up, right? You always have that one friend who's like, hey, we're doing it. Let's go, right? I will be that friend. I love supporting people, <laughs> but also making sure that they're that you are supported in places that you don't feel like you are ready to grow before you find people who are ready to change that growth or criticize you or give you constructive feedback. And sometimes you need outside sources telling you that you can do it.
0: Now we'll hear a selection from Maisha's live reading.
1: Cut me again. Fill my throat with blood and tell me it has always been there. Rip me open. I was never meant to be whole, this body too queer for your taste. Salt, iron, honey, garlic, dirt. And spit, licks the waves off my skin. The ocean never knew how to call me home, never sang for me just crash and broken blood. As all children do when they are told imagination has a limit, dreams fickle and sour. My beauty too dark and not dark enough for salt, iron, honey, garlic, dirt. Past this solar system, light years past telescope reach. Further than stars bloom and die. Planet is black. Like midnight black. Like Wakanda black. Queer, be black like it has always been. Trans, be black like it has always been. Where all inhabitants are black. Light shine from and consume gorgeous black. They sow black stars too dim to shine. Big Bang is the trap. Be all gender galaxy twerk. Queer, be black like it has always been. Trans, be black like it has always been. Black like da dee, da da, like every day, nonstop Sade on the radio, Beyonce, Whitney, Nina, Ella, radio so black, on this planet the only sound be mama black, black like, like nothing, and everything, queer, be black like it has always been, trans, be black like it has always been, like earth could never call it home, hate the invasion and love the pain so we left, pack jazz into suitcase and swaddle baby on Starship, blast Mickey Blanco on the flight deck and coast, to a new planet and old planet back home, where we have always been an attempt to find, again. Spun crystal threads, adorn the bed down your back, braid, you sit next to your siblings, next to your father, next to your pride. Your mother's hands still glimmer, silver drips from her to you to water and weave your fate. You sit next to your siblings, next to your father, next to your pride, your grandmother. Bathed to her neck in pools of salt as your tears call it home. Your new crown embedded in its glory, you in all of your pride.
0: Thank you. Sound Pages is a Jackstraw production, produced by Alyssa Keen and Daniel Gunther at Jack Straw Cultural Center. Our recording engineers are Steve Dettori, Daniel Gunther, Joel Maddox, and Ayesha ubiat Our theme music is by Sassy Black, produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The 2020 curator of this program is Anastasia Renee, and the narrator for this podcast is Alyssa Keen. The Jack Straw Writers Program was inspired by an over-the-back fence conversation in 1996 between author Rebecca Brown and Jack Straw Executive Director Joan Rabinowitz. The program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. Special thanks to Larry Lawrence for transcribing our writers' interviews. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology. You can subscribe to this and other Jack Straw podcasts through your favorite podcast app. To hear more episodes and learn about our other programs, visit us at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.